My brother Michael is four years older than me, and a little, and as a little sister, I wanted to ev wanted to do everything he wanted to do. He knew everything. He had all the fun stuff because he was older. For a while, he collected coins, nothing special. Daily, my father deposited his pocket change into an old jar on his dresser, and every so often, my brother Mike grabbed the jar and rolled up the coins in paper wrappers to take to the bank. But first, he would go through the coins to find anything special. I would help him, sitting on the floor, um, on his bedroom floor, as both of us searched through the pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, and an occasional half dollar. Holding up a coin, I would ask, is this a good one? And then with a second or two, is this a good one? My brother patiently answered me until he told me to stop. We would find treasures like a well-worn buffalo head nickel or a mercury dime or a penny from World War II with the words one cent stamped on the back. There were lots of those at this time. Mike then took the unique coins and placed them into one of those little blue coin collector books. It took great patience and many hours looking through change on the bedroom floor to fill up one of those little blue books. At times, we would come across coins minted by some other country, some other place besides the U.S. Treasury. What do you do with that? <laughs> For a kid rolling coins to take to the bank in Florida in the 1960s, the late 1960s, <laughs> it meant it was worth a big fat zero. We wondered how we had the great misfortune to have this coin in our own till. In hindsight, we could have asked to go to the bank for help, but Mike was one to solve his own problems. So the coin was tossed because we couldn't put it in the roll of coins. That would be cheating. So Mike took the proverbial hit with dad's money. John the Baptist today talks a little bit about unneeded or unfruitful things as he prepares his followers for the coming of Jesus. John is enigmatic, an ascetic Nazarite, living not on the fringes, but entirely outside of society. For John, raised in a pious Jewish home by upright and religious parents, it is not improbable that his followers would begin to feel that he is the one they've been waiting for. But he is not, and he is clear about this issue today. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat in his granary. With the chaff, he will burn with unquenchable fire. Like the prophets of old, he claimed authority to call out behavior worthy of condemnation. He is the voice crying out in the wilderness. The people of Israel look fervently for a savior to restore their lost kingdom and to restore justice. Because of his passion and courage, 
People were filled with expectation. In John, they saw something new in the world. And though he was not Jesus, he let them see God in a new way that would change their lives as they lived in community now. John preached the need for a change of heart now and initiated a way for that to happen as the people waited for the Messiah. He preached of winnowing the chaff so that the wheat which remained would not be contaminated, and he preached of felling trees which bear no good fruit. He condemns unrighteous behavior, and like any good prophet, provides hope to those who are listening. To paraphrase, he says, but in the meantime, if you behave according to the law and the spirit of the law and commandments, and as you live the law, your hearts will bear good fruit. Then not only will this baptism of repentance have meaning, but you will be better prepared for Jesus. Because when he comes in power and authority, greater than the world has ever seen, you will be ready to receive what he has to offer you. Building upon the idea of ritual cleansing or mikvah, which was prescribed by the law, John used the water of baptism as a symbol of repentance and the initiation of spiritual renewal. This baptism was an opportunity for an amendment of life to avoid the falling acts, which clearly was a poor path to take. When the people asked, what can we do? John goes to the ethical heart of the matter, be fair and be giving. As written in the book of Deuteronomy, one shall not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your neighbor. He suggests a next step. If you have two coats, give one to the needy. Share your extra food. In terms of the commandment, do not steal, don't charge more taxes than you're told to. And if you are a soldier, don't be a bully and extort money from people. John reminds them to follow the law and the commandments. But again, he moves one step further, teaching more in the style of Jesus. He provides clear examples of ways to bear good fruit, ensuring that the best parts of their lives are kept and the chaff is discarded, like a worthless coin from an old mayonnaise jar full of pennies. John makes it known that in order to live in a vibrant and loving community, just following the letter of the law may not be enough. It is living in the spirit of the law and commandments that bear fruit in the world. John preaches a transitional message that moves us toward a new relationship with God and our neighbor. His preaching is in the ethos of Jesus when Jesus answers the question, which of the commandments is the greatest? He replies, love God and love your neighbor. And when Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. John is doing something new. He is proclaiming the gospel before Jesus' ministry even begins. 
His baptism is a repentance. His baptism of repentance is that bridge between ritual purity and the baptism that Jesus brings, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and initiation to everlasting life through Jesus' death and resurrection. John provides the straight and level path for his followers and many others to follow Jesus and a path for our initiation to the family of God. He makes the way straight for all flesh to see the salvation of God. While we prepare for the arrival of Jesus, we have the opportunity to winnow out the unnecessary or distracting matters of our days and do things in our lives and hearts that bear good fruit. We still have time to prepare, and in doing so, we can do so in the spirit of joy and promise. Because as Paul encourages us, rejoice, the Lord is near, let your gentleness be known to everyone. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known by God. Rejoice. Rejoice.